If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind upon things that are above and not things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not let, or do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek, Jew, circumcised, and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on that, as God has chosen one, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the world, the word of Christ, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whether you do in word or deed, do everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. Good evening. We now know who does not mind our fans. No. No. We know who has their pride. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Amen. <laughs> All right. Before we jump into sermon for today, we are going to do just a couple um, announcements and fun things. We, for those of you who don't know, we are an elder-led church. You should know that because we just taught through First Timothy. We spent some time looking at that. But we are elder-led. Um, it's not just me. There are four of us. We equally share responsibility and accountability for praying for you guys and serving you, and uh, that's been really good. We are excited, though. We're bringing another guy into that team. So I'm going to invite Tom up. And uh... so a couple of things. We is qualifications for eldership. We just talked through this in, in First Timothy. So I brought you up, and I'm going to talk a little bit more, and then I'll give you the mic. Um, I want to read this passage, because as we have been, as elders, we've been praying, and we've been, we've been actually hanging out with Tom, he's been coming to some of our meetings, and uh, as we think of these qualifications, we think of Tom. And so uh, I'm going to read this, and then talk a little bit about what this next season holds, and I'll give the mic to Tom for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. First Timothy chapter three, one through seven. 
says this, the saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires the office of overseer or elder, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well and with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Keep going. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well, well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Like I said, as we think through that passage, we think of you, and to what we're what the process looks like for us, and you might remember we did this, I guess almost two years ago, um, with when Mike was coming in. Um, we do a three-month period where we let you guys know that he is considering and being considered for the role of elder. What that time period is for is for you as our family, as the church family, to affirm that those qualifications are in him. Clearly, we are imperfect people, by the way, just so you know. None of us fully always perfectly match all of that stuff. But that is our goal and we strive for that. So the, the ideal situation would be that for the next three months, I'm asking you guys to get to know, if you don't already, Tom and Regina, spend some time with them, take them out to lunch or dinner or something. And uh, really, it's an opportunity for you guys to pray if this is what the Lord has for you in the next season. It's an opportunity for you guys to be praying for him, praying for them, praying for us as a team and to affirm with us that he does indeed meet those and I believe he does. Um, so like I said, he's been, he has been, and will continue to be joining us in our elder meetings. He's praying for you guys. I know that he's praying for you all regularly. Um, and you will see him up here more and more. He's going to jump into helping with communion and teaching through occasionally through the next series too. So it's going to be fun. So I asked, I didn't give him too much forewarning on this, but um, yeah, we, uh, I just wanted Tom to have an opportunity to share a little bit of his story, a little bit about himself and his heart for the church. Um, and then his heart for you in particular. So. Feel free to ask me a few more questions too. Yep. After that <clears throat> scripture reading, I had going home. <laughs> I feel that too. <laughs> I think we all do, right? Yeah, exactly. Certainly, uh, God doesn't that our perfection. That's for sure. Um, we are just really grateful to be here. I'll start with that. Um, my history goes back to the Jesus movement, in the sixties dating myself, 
But I think that's a good thing. Sometimes uh, we need a little bit of worry in the congregation. And uh, my wife and I have been married 50 years. And, uh, and Regina is an absolute rock and a blessing to me and to our family, uh, especially spiritually. She, uh, she's unbelievable. <laughs> she's Norwegian. <laughs> so I go back that far. I, I, was, I was actually first living probably about 1974. Uh, and I've been off and on with several churches. The last church we finally decided to put to rest, uh, kind of based on the scripture that you know, seed has to fall into the ground to bear much fruit. Churches have to do that sometimes just as much as individuals. And uh, so that released us uh, kind of like, okay, God, what are you doing now? Where are you sending us? By the way, the, the Sundogs have absolutely very similar history to us going back to our last church and a couple others in there. But um, I have to say, I don't believe that the Holy Spirit. Uh, well, let me turn around the other way. I don't believe in really shopping for churches, let's put it that way. Uh, I believe the scripture says the Holy Spirit places us in the body as he wills. So I think that means to me, uh, hopefully to you, that really we need a revelation of where God has placed us. Uh, it's not how I feel about it. It's not how much I think they, the worship is the greatest or the word is the best teaching or whatever. Ultimately, it comes down to where has God placed you? And I think my wife and I at this point fully believe this is where we have been placed for an exercise in God. Ryan and Mary, uh, are my, one of my sons, my oldest son and daughter-in-law, came here first. Uh, said we love this place. Came for several several weeks before we actually did. But we the first time we came here, we felt like this stuff. And I'm sure kids have a little bit to do with that. And then I've got another son, Ethan and Brianna, who hopefully many of you have met. Uh, so our whole family is here right now, and that's a statement I think of, of things too that we. I, I, I believe family is so integral to the body of Christ. Uh, it's so integral to community. And it's absolutely a blessing to have our family here. And there's, uh, there's legitimate reasons why that doesn't always happen or can't always happen. But uh, when we came here, we felt like we saw the word preached. And we felt like we were faithful to the word of God. And that means so much to us and our family. Uh, secondly, you worship God. You're worshipers. The Father is seeking those who will worship Him, as it says, to worship Him in spirit and truth. And we saw God worshiped in the purity of hearts here. And, and, I, and I, the last thing I say of the three things that came to me today was, I believe God has a community here among us. You, you guys are really a community. We're being tested some right now. I can sense that. Uh, 
because of COVID, because you know, char and grace left, different things that become, you know, issues that test, okay, do we belong here or not? Is this where God sent us or not? And uh, personally, I, I want to say to you tonight, I, I wish there were more of us here tonight to say this. Uh, you need to appreciate community. Because it's not a given. You find even somewhat, uh, I'd say, hold on to it. I don't think this next year is going to be all roses. I think it's still going to be another pretty tough year. It's just culturally and politically and so on. And we're going to need community. We're going to need one another. One of the most important things I think about God is our God is a relational God. The Trinity lays the foundation for that. It's not only three and one, it's one expressed through three. And, and that gives the basis of community. And uh, so that's really, really important, I think. But, uh, Ask me questions. <laughs> that's good. I'm like, that's, yeah, we go home. That's good. Um, yeah, I just want to invite the elders, the other elders, come on up and uh, we're going to pray for you. Unless you have something else you want to throw out there. Yeah, I just want to make sure. <laughs> no, I just want to, uh, we are just grateful to be here. We love. So many of you that we've already met, we're trying hard. You know, it's interesting at my age, like turning over communities. Like I'll suddenly get to learn about another hundred new names and people. You know, it's just uh, it's been a little bit exasperating at times, especially with COVID in there, throwing a curve and everything. Uh, but yeah, I, we want to do our best. Uh, life has been tough at times. We're not perfect. Times have been really been tested, but uh, uh, we're just really grateful to be here. So yeah, thank you. It's good. good. We're gonna pray for him and be praying for him and praying for Regina this next season. And we look forward in three months to ordaining you as an elder, bringing you officially into this team. So we're going to pray for you real quick. Father, thank you that your family is broad and multifaceted. That you bring people into your family in each and every decade, in each and every time. I thank you for the reminder that Tom has given us tonight, that it's not by chance uh, that we are here. It is not uh, optional that we have community. And we thank you for the presence of Tom and Regina and their family. We welcome them uh, in your 
the for your work. Guide them with your wisdom and us with our open hands and hearts to serve them, to know them, to take meals with them, to ask questions, to listen, and to share. Father, we are thankful that you are a transcendent God without limitation in any way. We thank you that your church shares in some of that transcendence. We are not a, a building or even just a group. We fit into your, your ministry, Lord, on this earth. You have brought us together as a, as a family. We are your body from the time of the inauguration of the church Lord, until you arrive again Lord, we are the church Lord, thank you for the way that you lead the church just as was stated before we have such a high calling Lord, for elders Lord, we are imperfect but Lord, we thank you for Tom we thank you for Regina Lord, we thank you for Lord, who you have made them and who you are making them. Thank you that you brought them here to be a part of this family. And Lord, thank you for the recognition of their giftedness, of Tom's giftedness to be, Lord, at this, this juncture. So Lord, we pray for them. We pray for refuge. We pray, Lord, that you would make it clear this affirmation and confirmation. And Lord, we are extremely excited to see what you will be doing in refuge Lord, in this next season. So Lord, we Ahead of time, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, how you lead us. Thank you for your greatness being expressed in our midst. Lord Jesus, we just uh, can't help but give you thanks. Lord, we just see your hand and uh, your faithfulness in the lives of Tom and Regina. Lord, we thank you for drawing them and keeping them for all these years. Thank you for giving them a demonstration of faithfulness and commitment and thinking that they've followed in your footsteps in their marriage. Lord, that's astounding to me. We give you thanks. We give you all the glory for that. Lord, we praise you just for um, just bringing them here to refuge. We ask for wisdom in this next season, Lord. Direct the Jacksons, direct the leaders of refuge, direct the flock, Lord. As these other gentlemen have said, may we, may we lean in and get to know them well, and may you make your clear uh, or your calling clear. And um, Lord, we just look forward to uh, what that looks like, Lord. We lift up this next season, Lord. Bless refuge. It has been um, some ups and downs over over the life of the church. But last last years have been uh, challenging, Lord. But we see your faithfulness. I just can't help but see your faithfulness even in the last couple of years, Lord. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for being a good father, a loving father. 
and thank you for just as Tom said, the community that we do have, we are so grateful, Lord. So many did not have this and we're so thankful. Lord, may we not take it for granted. May we sing praise and worship to you and may we share, may we go out and share all that you've done and bring new people in that they also may share in this community. And so, Father, we ask that you would fan into flame the gifts and the callings that you have put into Tom, that you would stoke that fire, that in this next season you would guard and keep him. Pray that you would be closer to him in this season, that you would, uh, that his ear would be open to hear your voice. We ask that you would Give Tom a spirit of wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of Christ. Pray that you would continue to bless him and his family, strengthen them and keep them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, as you can tell, it's not necessarily a normal Sunday tonight. Um, wanted to give a quick update as we're tonight. We're going to look at vision and values and stuff, where we're going this next year. One of the things that keeps coming up as we think and pray about that is building. We're here. We are. It's five o'clock Sunday, and. Uh, you know, there's football games and things happening. <laughs> I guess. Which, by the way, uh, we are meeting Super Bowl Sunday, just in case you have questions. Uh, we, we have determined <laughs> that we are called, we will not forsake the gathering. We're called to be the church, and so we will gather, and we'll be here, even if it's just a few of us. <laughs> we'll be here. We'll teach. And we're going to be teaching through Daniel and looking at, you know, bowing to national. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, actually, we will be teaching through Daniel. But um, building, we, here we are. We're meeting in a place, in a building that is not our own. We are in the afternoons on Sunday. And, uh, it's out of our normal rhythms. Like, how many of you guys are feeling like it's starting to become comfortable? Okay, that's good. That's good. How many of you guys are like, I like afternoons, actually. This is really good. All right. How many of you are like, actually, I want to be back on Sunday mornings? Good. Yeah. Yeah. We're a mixed bag, as is true with most things in this family. Um, and that's good. It's really good. Uh, we, when we first moved over here, which was, if you can believe it, six months ago, over six months ago now, we moved into the spot, we moved to Sunday afternoons. We signed a six-month agreement with Center of Bible to be here. So we're now over that. And we are planning on being here, just so you know, for probably the next year, at least. 
Probably I say that because the Lord is always, always able to open a door for us elsewhere. And we will be faithful to walk through whatever door he opens up. But there's several reasons, several things that play into those decisions. First of all, I mean, this, this facility is fantastic. The kids, if you haven't had a chance to go see the kids' facilities and the playground and everything, you guys will see that yet. It's fantastic. There's a lot of kids, so it's, it's good for them. Um, it's also just super practical. Uh, it's very cost-effective for us as a community. As we left our spot in Lombardi, as it was, it was already more than we can afford. And it was under market rate. So just super practically speaking, if we were to go look for a space similar right now, it would be more expensive than we were paying for Lombardi. And we couldn't afford it then. We can't afford it now. So there's really practical things at play there that, like, if that's what the Lord wants to do, He has to provide the finances for that to happen. It doesn't make sense for us to get into something that's way out of our budget. Does that make sense? So in this season, I think we can take in a deep breath and just call this home for now. We're going to be here for a season. So we can just rest in that, and if that's uncomfortable, we understand that. If 4 p.m. is just tough, then we, we understand that. Talk to us, and we get it. Um, but this, for the foreseeable future, this is where we're at. We have an agreement. We're working with Santa Rosa Bible to confirm that. But this is where we will be. So if you have any other questions, by all means, talk to any of us elders. We would love to talk that through with you. Um, but that's for that time. Okay? Yes?
as we were thinking through, it's, it's really the, the core elements of what it means to be a disciple. Those sort of things that, that we all would agree and nod our head. Yeah, we, we value prayer. We want to pray. And those are the things that as we take stock and we evaluate, it's like, that's not necessarily a strength of this community. And that's an area the Lord wants to grow us this year. Living missionally, engaging the lost, the broken, and the hurting. It's a value, but it's an aspirational value. It's a thing that we want to live out, but it's not necessarily something we're doing in our day-to-day lives. You guys feel that? Or is it just me? Yes? There's a little dialogue here, yeah? (laughs) So the verse that we read tonight, that Daniel read, uh, I felt like just kind of speaks to our heart in this. It speaks to some of the ways that I think this plays out. I want to read and just highlight a few parts of this for us tonight, and then um, we're going to walk through few more things here. So Colossians chapter 3. This chapter is amazing. Paul says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. You guys, you just take that verse and we could call it a night. Set your mind on things that are above. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I think as we as a community think about what the Lord wants to do in our midst in the next year, if we individually live this way, I think we're going pretty far. If our, if our focus was set on Jesus at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning, how much of the other issues of life and debate and everything else that's going on just fall away? Jump down to verse 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. I was really drawn to that word practices. Because he lists out a whole list of practices that are the way of the flesh, the way of the world. We have practices that are the way of Jesus. We practice the way of Jesus. That's what I want to look at tonight. What does it look like to practice the way of Jesus, to put on the new self, as he says, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen people, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness.
kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. That's that community piece. That's what it looks like to be a family. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. To which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another. In all wisdom. Singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. With thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do. Whatever you do. In word Indeed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I, I agree with, with Tom's assessment. I think we, we all as elders agree with that, that we as a community are really good at, at we're faithful to teach the word. I think you are faithful students of the word. You are in your Bibles. Pray, I hope, I trust. We are faithful to worship. We're a worshiping community. And we are a community. I think we do well in those three areas. And I think that's part of the calling of this passage, is to walk faithfully in those three areas. But this what I think the Lord is doing in this next season is to call us further, to call us deeper, and to even some of the basic, seems like simple areas of our discipleship that just need a little bit of love. So I want to walk through just some statements, some, some mission and vision stuff. Um, and all of this, I'll make all of this available at some point. It'll either be on the website. Some of it is already, but we'll make a document and email it out or something. And I don't have it on the screen for you. But this was, I think, I think this was a year and a half ago or something. We we sat down and we, we talked about what is the mission of refuge? What are we? What are we? The statement we came up with is, we are a Jesus-formed community on mission. Jesus-formed community on mission. That really forces that we need to define what is it to be Jesus-formed, what is it to be a community, and what is it to be on mission. And some of those, of those three, we do better than others, if we're honest. Our vision, our goal in, uh, in thinking this through, this, in the business world, this is what you call your, it's a big, hairy, audacious goal. Say that, big, hairy, audacious goal. 
This is intentionally bigger than us. This is not something that we can do in our own power. Not something that we can accomplish with creative thinking or strategy. Not something we can accomplish with good structure and systems. God has to do this. This is what we feel like we are here to do. Our aim, our goal, is to see the gospel saturate our lives and our county so that everyone has a decisive encounter with Jesus. That is way bigger than us. Amen? And then you come to why. Why is that our goal? Why is that our defining role? Why is that important? What is it? This is the value statement. What do we value? And it's important when you think about values that, I mean, how many guys have worked through core values? Anybody? Your business, your, your family. Often we use the language core values and then we put in statements or things that are like, we're not actually doing, right? Like, my core value is, uh, I don't have a good example. Um, sometimes those are things that are just aspirations, they're hopes and dreams. They're good things that we want to aspire to doing, but you're not actually doing them. A value is, it's you really, you can find your values. Jesus, Jesus told us that where you're out of, yeah, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where you put your money, your effort, your resources, your calendar, that's how you see your values. So if you want to think through your personal values and the way that you're parenting or the way that you're living as a spouse, you want to see what you value in your life, go back and look through your debit card transactions for the last couple of months. Look at your calendar. Look where you allot your time. Where do you put your resources? That's how you see what you actually value. Not just what you say you value, but what you actually value. And here, our, our values are driven by this idea that we are all disciples of Jesus. Every one of us is called to be a disciple who makes disciples. We're called to live out this life of discipleship. And discipleship is not just, and it's not so much about information, it's about formation. It's about being transformed into the image of Christ. Discipleship is not about a class, it's not about consuming content. It involves those things, but it is not just about those. It's about all of life being brought under the lordship and leadership of Jesus. It's if you go back to that Colossians passage, whatever you do, in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's discipleship. 
Whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so we've used this language, you've heard us say for several years now, this, this saying, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. That's the discipleship pattern. That's how we do this. And I want to walk through with each of those statements. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. Do what Jesus did. I have three points for each of those. Okay, nine points. I'm already 40 minutes. <laughs> It'll go quick. And I'll make the, all of this available so you can read it. How about that? Okay. Be with Jesus. First point here is to abide. To be with Jesus, we need to pursue Jesus. We seek him. We seek him first and above all things. Jesus in John 15, he said, I am the vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That's tough. That it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself. To abide means to dwell, to find your sustenance, your, your being, your life. To rest in God's presence, confidence in his work that he's accomplished on the cross. We seek Jesus and his kingdom first. We spend time with Christ personally. And we spend time with Christ together as a community. Holy Spirit increasingly leads us. We submit to the leading and direction of the Holy Spirit. We increasingly bear and grow fruit of the Spirit in our lives and in our community. We abide. Second thing, we practice. We pursue counterformative spiritual practices. That counterformative is important because you're here for two hours on a Sunday afternoon. The rest of the week, you are being formed if we're not intentional. If you take your discipleship passively, then six and three-quarter days a week, you are being formed into the image of an American consumer. Not the image of Jesus. Discipleship is not a passive activity. So we pursue counter-formative spiritual practices. We worship Jesus with all of our life. Knowing and obeying God through regular time and his word, depending on the spirit through prayer and through fasting, pursuing creativity, beauty, and various forms of worship. It's not just music, various forms. We prioritize intentional time to Sabbath, to rest, to reflect, to be led by the spirit. Prayer is one of those key areas that we feel like we need to focus on this next year. We need to grow 
and how we pray as individuals and how we pray as a community, you'll notice that women's ministry, men's fellowship, all of them are focusing on this. You'll notice even on Sundays, we're going to be incorporating more of that. Every Sunday, starting last week, we brought back pre-service prayer. You're all invited. 3.45, we are up here praying. You are welcome to join us. Third thing, grow. We pursue spiritual growth. Seeking holiness, repentance, and forgiveness. We love God. We love each other. We love our neighbors. We love our enemies. We view our circumstances in life, our position in life, whether you're a parent, a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife, single, whatever, unemployed, employed, self-employed, all of that is viewed through the lens of scripture and Christian community. We submit it all and we pursue growth into the image of Christ.
fluent and frequent in our conversation. Second one. This is the only one that I didn't put we pursue here. Identity. Because this is not something we pursue, this is something we are. We are adopted, chosen, and sent. We are the family of missionary servants as a community. That's what the church is. In Christ, we've been adopted into the family of God. We've been given access to the very Father of glory, the King of kings. We've been brought into his family. You've been given a new name. You've been given access. But not just that, we are chosen as servants. Jesus is Lord. We are his servants. We serve those around him, around us, as though we are serving Jesus. We serve our neighbor. We serve those who are against us, even, as though we are serving Jesus. In doing so, we give a foretaste of what life will be like under the rule and reign of our master, Jesus. Living as servants of the King, who serve each other as he has served us, that presents a tangible witness of Jesus' kingdom and the power of the gospel to change lives and to change communities. We serve in a way that demands a gospel explanation. Lives that cannot be explained, explained in, any other, in any other way but by the kingdom of God and under a master named Jesus. Brought into a family, chosen as servants, and sent as missionaries. We serve a missionary God. He has pursued you and he is pursuing your community. He is after your friends and your family. He wants them to have a revelation of the gospel. God's family is also sent out like the sun by the Spirit to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. That's the gospel. We are called to fulfill the Great Commission in Santa Rosa and Sonoma County. As missionaries, what that means to be a missionary is to radically reorient your life together as a community for the mission of making disciples who make disciples. Radically reorient your life for the sake of the mission field. That means that our schedule, our resources, our decisions are now collectively built around reaching our community with the gospel. In doing this, we are, as Eugene Peterson describes the church, a colony of heaven in a country of death. That's who we are. That's who we're called to be. That means we don't look for the most 
comfortable and convenient place to live. As missionaries, we go where Jesus sends us. We do what Jesus told us, and we serve the mission field in front of us. Jesus did not choose the easy way. He emptied himself. He took on flesh, the form of a human. He went the way of the cross in his pursuit of you and I. And that's our model for missions. And yet we're not to live as a pauper or an orphan. We are brought into a family. We can have confidence and boldness to come before our God, our Father. That's our identity, guys. This is who we are. As I was thinking about this, this confidence of identity, I own a, I own a cafe, and it's hilarious. I have five kids. And when my kids walk into my cafe, you would think they own the place. They walk right up, they strike up conversations with all the staff as if they're their boss. <laughs> they, uh, they'll ask them to do things. Sometimes I'm like, Levi, you can't just go tell them what to do. But they know who their dad is. They have confidence in their identity as my kids, and therefore in my cafe. I think there's something to that in understanding who God is and who we are, that he has brought us into his family. We can have some confidence in the mission at hand. We can trust that God is working and he hasn't departed from us. Third thing here, Gospel activity. We pursue a lifestyle that is marked by the gospel. We use our homes, our time, our possessions for God's people and his purposes. We strengthen each other, strengthen each other's gifts, and we use our own gifts to help others thrive. We financially give towards God's mission, towards his ministry. We inconvenience ourselves for the well-being of others. We intentionally break down dividing walls. We give voice and resource to fight injustice, to serve the poor and needy, to reconcile brokenness. We seek relationships, assistance, and faith with those who are on society's Fringe. This isn't just a theory. As I was writing that down, I thought of myself. I didn't grow up in the church. It was literally somebody practicing that. I was a skate, skater kid, cutting class in high school, skateboarding in Berkeley. Elijah, don't listen to this. <laughs> I was skateboarding in Berkeley and in San Francisco. Elijah's my son, by the way. <laughs> Uh, and I met this guy who loved Jesus and talked about him constantly, but he also happened to be a fantastic skateboarder. And so we started hanging out, 
And he led me to Jesus because he lived this out. He practiced the gospel. He used his resources, his time, for the sake of the mission. Third thing here, do what Jesus did. The last section here. I'll go through these ones a little bit faster. Priorities. We pursue kingdom priorities. Meaning we fight the temptation to busyness, distraction, excess, shallowness. We devote ourselves to countercultural things that God has called us. Relationships. We pursue real relationships, both in our Sunday gatherings and in our everyday life. We value each other's different gifts, different perspectives, different experiences as vital to our own growth and into our own development as a disciple. Guys, we, we should have people in our lives that we don't 100% agree with. That will challenge you to grow. That will challenge you to become more like Jesus. You should have people in your lives that don't look like you or think like you. That aren't in your same age or station of life. It will challenge you to be more like Jesus. Third thing is, last thing here, discipleship, which sums up sort of all of this. We pursue discipleship. We practice the Bible's one another's. We take responsibility for each other's growth. We seek to be trained to follow the way of Jesus. And we are being sent to make disciples who make disciples. Practically, you're going to see even some small changes in the way that we orient our service. We're going to bring some more elements of story to describe the way that we're each living out these values in our everyday week. We're going to be inviting you to share some of those stories. We're going to be bringing more elements of prayer, more elements of fasting even, just to encourage you to grow in abiding in Jesus and to seeking Him. We're going to spend the next several months walking through a series focused on Daniel, but we'll hit some of the other prophetic books, looking at the season of exile when the children of Israel were brought out of the promised land and into Babylon. And what should have been, and in a lot of ways was, the darkest season for them is really where much of what formed and solidified their identity as a people was formed. Daniel, I know, gets a rap for some crazy, 
crazy visions and things that happen there. It's going to be really fun. Walking through that, I'm excited to get into that. We're going to start looking at that next week. My challenge for us today is that we would remember. So I was thinking about this today, that we would remember the joy of our salvation. That we would remember our first love. Remember to you, remember what it was like when you first found faith, when you first found Jesus, when you first found you. Remember that zeal and that passion that you had for the Lord. Let's fix our eyes as our passage today said, on Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the Father. Let's look to him as the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let's pursue him above every other thing. There are lots of things vying for your attention and your value and your affection. And there's Jesus on the throne. Set your eyes on him. He is faithful and he is true. And he is conquered by his blood. The cross has made a way for you to become like Jesus. Discipleship is possible because he has accomplished salvation for you. He has began a good work in this family, and he will continue, and he will be faithful to finish it. Amen? All right, we are going to go into another song of worship, and then we're going to take communion together, and then we will close. Let me pray before we do that. Father, I thank you that you are faithful and true. And that you have a plan for us as a community. That we are called to be ambassadors of a king who is seated on a throne. That we are called to look like you, to act like you, and to be with you. Jesus, I pray that you would continue to lead us in those paths, that you would continue to draw us nearer to you, that you would remind us of our first love. You remind us of the effects of the gospel in our lives. In Jesus' name.